Welcome to Marvel Us Disney. Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more interesting divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this episode on April 9th, 2019, which means that we are just 17 days out from Avengers Endgame being released to theaters. And this news is exciting a lot of people. In fact, Aaron, you were just... Talking about a clip you'd seen, I guess, from Good Morning America that's making the rounds? Yeah, so it seems so far that we've got a new clip that gives us actual a plot detail mm-hmm. about the movie, which has been rare thus far. So mm-hmm. drool over this one little scrap that fell off the table. But it seems like the plot is the Avengers, what's left of them, are going to go sneak to wherever Thanos is mm-hmm. and steal the Infinity Gauntlet and undo the snap. Hmm. which to me seems like the whole idea of quantum realm time travel is no longer needed because you don't need it to go steal the infinity gauntlet and undo the snap then. And that also means that even if you get the time stone from the infinity gauntlet, you still don't have to go back in time to undo the snap. There should be like some sort of control Z undo snap function in the gauntlet where you just, you know, snap your fingers and everything goes back to normal. So I'm starting to doubt time travel. Maybe the quantum realm is just some Alice in Wonderland portal that skips them across space in order to get to wherever Thanos is at present time. I don't know. Without giving away too much. What, you know something? we got to remember, it's a three-hour and two-minute-long movie, and maybe their first attempt doesn't go the way they planned. So maybe they have to try again. Hmm, okay. That's all I'm going to say. But you're right, the cast is out there making the rounds, you know, doing publicity. In fact, just this week on the Jimmy Kimmel show, they're doing a week-long programming event where various members of the Endgame cast come out and talk about the film or don't talk about the film. In fact, (laughs) uh, poor Scarlett Johansson, I guess Jimmy was asking her about the Black Widow movie, and it's like she literally had to keep bending the conversation back at him because she's not allowed to talk about it yet. The thing is that that Scarlett wound up getting beaten up on the couch, and ironically enough, when she left the Kimmel show that night, she got swarmed by a bunch of paparazzi, and I guess things got pretty ugly, because right after this, her security team took her down to the Hollywood substation for the LAPD, and I guess there were some discussions about whether or not they'd file charges against individual photographers who were too aggressive, and... I don't know what exactly went down at this point, but she left without filing charges. But it's getting kind of crazy out there, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, have you seen on eBay there was like a ticket sold for Avengers or it was going for like $10,000 or 15000 I mean, some stupid astronomical amount of money for a set of tickets or a single ticket on eBay for, and I don't even think it was opening night in New York. It was just crazy. 
how people are clamoring after it. It's like, it's okay. It's going to be in theaters for a minute. You know, they're not going to just show up for one afternoon and then yank it out of the theater. You got time. Slow down, man. Yeah, but it just, I mean, it's just, it's stunning to me when the pre-sale for the, the tickets went on. The demand was so great, it took down Fandango and the AMC site. And I guess even Regal Cinemas experienced real slowdowns because, you know, people were that crazy determined to get tickets for it. In fact, Avengers Endgame has already sold nearly as twice as many advanced tickets as Aquaman, The Last Jedi, Infinity Wars, and Captain Marvel combined? Holy crow, that's a that's a mighty number. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy big. And I just, just like you, I, I, I want to see this movie, and but, but you're right, I'm not willing to pay $10,000 to see it. And if you talk with people out west i mean already on the basis of that sort of reaction for advanced ticket sales you know there's been a number of people trying to sort of game well how much is this movie going to make over its opening weekend and that initial projected number for just north america alone was 300 million but it's since been revised down to 280 we discussed this during Infinity Wars, that that movie was two hours and 40 minutes long. And because you have to clean the theater, it takes time for people to empty the theater and then get the next audience seated. And that's it. You can only get in so many shows a day. And now Endgame is three hours and two minutes long. So it may be physically impossible to equal the business that Avengers Infinity Wars did. And that Russo Brothers movie was the fastest ever to make it to a billion. It reached that milestone in 11 days. And while we're talking about milestones, though, but did you see that Captain Marvel blew through the billion-dollar barrier last week? Oh, finally. Took long enough. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, again, it's, it's at the seventh Marvel movie to do this. Congratulations. The question now is, well, okay, when you make that sort of money, that means we get a sequel, right? And... Poor Brie Larson is out again doing publicity for Endgame. And it's like, I don't know. I, I can't tell you that. You know, just they don't want to spoil the film that's coming. and Which uh, is absolute hogwash because Feige has already said that Captain Marvel is going to be the, the leader, you know, replacing Iron Man, so to speak, as the, the central fulcrum of the MCU moving forward, but they don't want to say whether she lives or dies in Endgame, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, we, we know, we know. Oh, no, no, it's fun you say that because, again, you know, here's Chadwick Boseman, he's at CinemaCon, and again, he's, he's being the good corporate citizen, he's out there promoting Avengers Endgame, and of course, people, because Black Panther made over a billion dollars last year, it's like, so when are we getting Black Panther 2? And it's like, well, I, I'm dead. Right. But um, speaking of what happens after Endgame, did you see that we've had some casting news in regard to the Eternals and that supposedly yeah. Angelina Jolie has agreed to sign on for the project? It seemed fitting somehow. She's got that ethereal beauty. Mm -hmm. You know, she's just got that almost mystical look about her somehow. Mm -hmm. So casting her as an immortal throughout time, sure, makes sense to me. Okay. When we were pre-gaming, you were talking about what Kevin Feige has sort of revealed about the Eternals, which I guess is is going to be storytelling on at least a time scale that we haven't done before. I don't have a direct quote, but essentially said that uh, the Eternals movie could span 
something like 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're immortal. And so I'm thinking that you start off with an origin story that's set way back at the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. You've got some sort of conflict between two or more characters, and you kind of poke and prod at that, and you check in every century to see how that wound is festering over an endless time. Mm -hmm. And then somehow in Act 3, we end up on Earth for no silly reason to have a final conflict. I I have no idea what what could possibly happen, but that's just what jumped into my mind of a 10,000-year time span for the Eternals in one movie. It's very interesting. I'd, I'd like to see... Know where where they go with the concept, and it should be a lot of fun. I'm just glad to be out in in space and in different realms again. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for some cosmic craziness that seemed reserved for only Guardians of the Galaxy for so long, mm-hmm. or a strange mind trip from Doctor Strange, or a quick jaunt through the quantum realm from Ant Man. I'm ready for a full dose of that, and just some crazy old style Kirby drawings come to life on the on the big screen. I can't wait. It'll be exciting. Mm, no, I agree. I agree though. What I kind of find intriguing about Marvel Studios reaching out to Angelina Jolie that if things had gone a little differently, she was she would have actually been part of another cinematic universe. I mean, do you remember the the Dark Universe project that what Universal Pictures was trying to set up with its its classic movie monsters? Now, how far back do you want to go with this? Because they started uh, uh, the attempt with, I think, Van Helsing. Then there was Dracula Untold. And then there was the, even the Wolfman was going to be the attempt with Benicio Del Toro. Mm -hmm. Uh, That didn't do as well. Then they jumped to The Mummy with Tom Cruise. And that was their most latest attempt. And it seems like so far, every time they've tried to set it up, it just has never, ever met to any performance. And they go, just put that on the back burner for another five or ten years and we'll come back to it. So I'm sure we'll get a reboot of this whole hope at a shared monster universe in another yeah five or ten years from yeah, now. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. I'm trying to remember where Dracula Rising fit into that because I thought that was between Wolfman and the Mummy and if things had actually gone according to plan, if the Mummy had done better domestically because the interesting thing it did really well overseas i want to say it made over 300 million dollars but stateside it ran out of gas at 80 million dollars which when you spend 120 on a movie that's not what the people at comcast want to see but the original plan was that bride of frankenstein starring angelina jolie would have actually been already been out this year they they had a february 14th 2019 release date and on the backs of the fact that just didn't seem to be an audience out there that would or at least stateside that was excited about tom cruise's mummy they pulled the plug on the entire project and the weird ripple effect from this what it did with uh, release dates is that because Jolie had a hole in her schedule, she made Maleficent 2 for Disney. And that turned out to be far stronger than anybody at the studio thought it was going to be. And so what they ended up doing was they shifted it. It was supposed to come out in late May of 2020. It's now coming out in October of this year. But because Maleficent has been moved... That then allows Disney to sort of slide a release date around. They had booked the original release date for a Marvel movie in early May, but now there's a they could shift it back to late May, which, frankly, they're going to need because Black Widow, or at least according to David Harbour, is now going to shoot in June. 
I would imagine that in the future, Kevin Feige is going to sit David Harbour down and say, let me explain to you how we work. Because David has been not necessarily releasing the goods, but he was the one who let, let it slip that the, the film starts shooting in June. Likewise, he's the one out confirming that, well, I know they're talking to Rachel Weiss. There's some really great actresses circling this project and that the story this film is going to tell is really cool. It's also surprising. And have we talked about the official synopsis that's out there yet? Not yet. You really should be a betting man, Aaron, because you, you, you nailed it on this thing. This is, in fact, a prequel. It's going to be set prior to the events of the first Avengers movie. And the official logline says, The Black Widow movie will feature an internationally set story centering on Natasha Romanoff, a spy and an assassin who grew up being trained by the KGB before breaking from their grasp and becoming an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and an Avenger. And again, getting back to Rachel Weisz, there's been a lot of guessing online about the role she might play in this project. And Marvel's been mum on this, all they'll say is that it's a key role. What the folks at Marvel Studios are really, really, really hoping is that Black Widow, when it hits theaters next May or thereabouts, will do the sort of business that Captain Marvel just did. Though, again, on our last show, you were you were talking a bit about we, we need to re- revise those expectations, right? Well, I mean, the, you can't always make a billion dollars every time. Mm. It's going to depend a lot on what they present as a story. Mm. Because we've seen Scarlett Johansson in this character's role since Iron Man 2. Mm. Obviously, if it's a Black Widow solo movie, she's not taking on, like, Thanos by herself part two. Mm. You know, it's got to be a smaller scale. It's got to be a a spy story or espionage. And we've seen the spy trope so many times via Bond movies. And even if you look at the parodies like Austin Powers lampooning that, Mm. we've seen so many spy tropes over our lifetime that if they are going with this super spy route and making it a prequel and and then joining it up where she ends up coming to the Avengers and all that type of storyline, then they've got to present a really wicked, awesome spy thriller that we have never, ever seen before that tops James Bond. Mm. And then it can make bank. Okay. So, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of variables that will determine whether it's going to be super successful because Captain Marvel, this was the first time everyone got to see her, so there is the anticipation for mm-hmm. that. Whereas Scarlett Johansson, you know, she's been around for almost the whole 10 years, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, we know this girl, you know, and, and we'll, we root for her and whatnot, but there may be some people have said, I've seen that character, I'm really not interested in further development or growth of that character for whatever reason they may have, and they may not be as compelled to buy that ticket. Mm-hmm. So it's it really depends on the story that they're presenting. Is you know what? Why are you doing this movie? What's the story that makes this necessary for the MCU? And it better be good. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But I think this time next year we're going to see a concerted effort of managing expectations coming on the heels of the crazy amount of business that Endgame is going to do. Any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that follows that, that's an impossible act to follow. And if I were Marvel, I'd try to manage expectations. I'd try to, you know, sort of reshape this as a palate cleanser. You know, it's like, look, remember how it was with Iron Man? That was, you know, a surprisingly fun film. You know, nobody expected that. It was a simpler time. 
Also true. Also true. Though, speaking of, of managing expectations, when we get back from our commercial break, I have some news about Dark Phoenix. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I know on our last show we, we did a little teasing about WonderCon. It was presented uh, late last month out in Anaheim. And, you know, they had a number of Marvel-related panels there. They showed the first episode of, of Season 6 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, but the big news was the Dark Phoenix panel. This was a, a it seemed to be a somewhat troubled project. Its release date kept slipping, and there were reshoots. And when you had the Disney Fox acquisition looming, and you had mentioned when we were pre-gaming about Kevin Feige's pretty straightforward about what's happening with the X-Men after this film, right? Yeah, I said don't hold your breath for X-Men anytime soon. MCU post-Endgame is planned out for about the next five mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that made sense, you know, a long time ago before he said it was, you know, X-Men's been around since the 90s. We don't really have a thirst or a craving for it because it's been there forever. So it's okay to put that on hold for a little bit, make us want Mm -hmm. something new and and fresh from the MCU. And that can be the the ticket that, you know, you know, make them (laughs) after Avengers goes away. It's like they need something to make us salivate for. And X-Men is a perfect thing to dangle like a carrot in the air for a while to uh, make us keep coming back to theaters. I did find it almost odd that he did not say a darn thing about Fantastic Four, which made me wistful for a moment like a youthful young boy. Because here's the thing, Jim. I'm realistic, right? I know that they are not going to be an endgame. I got to say that over and over. I got to repeat it like a mantra as I mutter to myself around the apartment. Fantastic Four will not be an endgame. Fantastic Four will not be an endgame. But... Mm -hmm. When Marvel made a deal with Sony to bring Spidey into the MCU, they were really close to being done with everything they needed for Civil War. Mm -hmm. And boy, did Spidey show up in there like he was meant to be there the entire time. And they did that so fast. And so there's just this tiniest eight-year-old Aaron sitting in a corner rocking back and forth, hoping that... Marvel never says anything, and once you're in the theater in the last five minutes, it would be so radically unexpected. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't join in the final battle or anything silly like that. Like, everything has come to a close, and maybe they've found a way through the quantum realm to travel from one place to another, and they accidentally jump into a different dimension or whatever, and the Fantastic Four are standing there, and then the credits roll. I mean, nothing okay. that okay. they would be involved in the movie just to show, hey, they're here within the MCU. You've now seen them in costume for five seconds, and now you've, you're going to salivate until May of 2020 <laughs> when that's the next movie that comes out after Spider-Man Homecoming. And I that is one thing that would be so unpredictably awesome that I would, I think, a little bit. You know, I would just have no choice but to go, what? Okay, I just want to, if anybody at Marvel Studios is listening, and 
I, I don't set my standards as high as Aaron. I just settle for the Baxter building. In fact, if you want to reveal that when they went to go eat shawarma after, you know, the original Avengers movie is, you know, the, the restaurant in the lobby of the Baxter building, I'll take that. Yeah, totally. Oh, anyway, the, the circle back to Dark Phoenix. So again, this was a film with a perception problem. The production problems, you know, the stories about the production problems had got out, gotten ahead of it. And uh, it certainly didn't help that when the panel began at WonderCon, there was this announcement that the cast on stage wouldn't be taking questions. And it's like, ugh. All of these things that sort of point to this is not going to go well. And then they ran 10 minutes of the movie and people kind of lost their minds. They picked 10 minutes out of the first act, which showed the X-Men in action saving a, a space shuttle that was a, about to be destroyed by a solar flare. And the way that Deadline.com described it, it was, was, wasn't was just good. It was X-Men Days of Future Past good. What people are saying now is like, wow, well, at least the 20th Century Fox X-Men will go out strong with, with Dark Phoenix. Sure. But here's the thing. that, that It's not the last X-Men movie. We still have The New Mutants, which comes out August 2nd of this year. And that one, which was shot... Down in Boston, back in July of 2017, they actually shot it at Medfield State Hospital. But they've since done reshoots because the, the thinking was that on the back of the success of Venom, it's like, okay, there is money to be made in the superhero horror movie genre. Oh, well, I want to back up real quick for Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. I just want to say I'm glad that they took the time to fix what was apparently broken mm -hmm. because nobody wanted the last X-Men movie to be bad. Mm -hmm. So if it had previous test screenings and it didn't do well, and then it had another screening and it didn't do well, and then it had another screening and it's much more positive, that's a great sign, right? We should be really, really happy that it's been delayed this whole time so that we can get a really great X-Men movie. And who cares how many times they took at bat to beef up the story? At least it's it's now up to par to where audiences are going to be okay with it. So good for them for, for taking the extra time. Mm. Now, for New Mutants, mm. I completely forgot about that because I was looking forward to the whole idea of a really creepy horror movie featuring mutants. And then it seemed like it just disappeared, and now that you bring it up, it's like, oh, yeah, that movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that's going to finally get a release. And I don't—I really wouldn't consider it as part of the X-Men saga mm -hmm. the way that I consider Wolverine or Logan to be part of the saga. You know what I mean? New mu mutants, yes, they are mutants, and so they may be on the fringe of the universe. They're they're not, I, I wouldn't say they're being cast aside, but I don't think they're going to stretch real hard to make a connection to all of the other X-Men movies like it's some MCU 10-year plan. It was never meant to be an X-Men movie. It was meant to be a New Mutants movie, which is a completely different cast of mutants. Mm -hmm. So they don't really need to be connected uh, quite as heavily with Xavier and the class, so to speak. I get that. Uh, but again, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this becoming a thing, that the that, that super horror hero genre, what, Brightburn, the James Gunn movie is, yeah. is that being released to theaters or streaming? I forget. No, I think it's going to theaters before it does, you know, I think it's going to do the whole traditional route. Mm -hmm. 
And boy, does that look so good. I remember Chronicle from a few years back as kind of that three kids get superpowers and one of them is evil. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that was a bend on the found footage idea, right? Yeah, but with three superhero kids. Mm. But uh, the James Gunn, which was written by the two two of the other Gunn siblings, Mm. is... Basically, if Superman did not care for truth, justice, or the American way because he was bullied and picked on by kids, because face it, kids you know, can be cruel to other kids. So uh, Superman grows up to not care about other people's feelings or justice, and he ends up hurting people, and it turns into a horror movie, and it looks crazy good. Okay. Well, speaking of James Gunn, we got a postcard from an R. Downey. And I'm not going to say it's our our first ever piece of hate mail, Aaron. I I think it's, in fact, the word I'd use is it's disappointed. In fact, in in the first line of Uh R. Downey's note to us, it it says, I was very disappointed in the 321.19 podcast about James Gunn being reinstated as Guardians 3 director. I'm a long-time fan of yours, but I can't let go of Gunn thinking of child sexual abuse in a humorous way. It is not and never was funny. He shouldn't have been rehired, and your podcast network needs more female hosts to add balance because now it's not working. Well, first, I'll say I think that's a great point. Everything about that is perfectly legit, on board 100%. I don't blame you Mm. for being disappointed. Here's the thing. We're not defending James Gunn's humor at all. We were just making a distinction between making a, an act in poor taste and a criminal act. There's a difference, and, and that was basically about it. So if you're disappointed, that's perfectly fine. I do believe there's a large percentage of our audience that feels the exact same way. Uh, nobody's going to say that you should find that funny, ever, right? I completely agree with your opinion. Good for writing in. Thank you for sharing your voice. And yes... We could use a few more females as hosts. Well, as this very bright woman, Nancy Stadler, once told me, you can't tell other people how to feel. And so, as Aaron said, thank you, Ardoni, for writing in and sharing your view. And Well, I mean, let's keep in mind before we close it up that, you know, Disney's also made a decision. Mm-hmm. And by bringing him back, they've also made their position clear Mm -hmm. i hope that it's not just that because we weren't going to condemn and throw stones at james gunn Mm -hmm. that we're we're all of a sudden the bad guys because you should also be disappointed in disney you know you should also be disappointed in the entirety of the guardians of the galaxy cast who welcomed james back with open arms Mm -hmm. you should also be disappointed with everyone who you know doesn't feel the exact same way you do i mean there's a, a position has been taken You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. If you want to not go see that movie, that's perfectly awesome. Don't go see that movie. If you want to get a little sign from, you know, a piece of cardboard from Michaels and and a Sharpie and, you know, march in a line outside the theater saying, don't go see that movie. That's cool. You can do that. I'll applaud that effort. You've got the right. I will walk right past you and buy my ticket. But, you know, that's the difference. I don't care. I just don't care. I want to go see the movie. Okay. But we just learned how to unburn a witch. You know, the whole notion of think about it. You, you, you and I talking eight, nine, ten months ago, we're talking about how James Gunn's career was over. 
And how is he going to come back from this? And the way he handled himself, the way he rode this out, I think for a lot of people who may face similar situations down the line, it's going to be, what did he do? Yeah, he legit apologized, which I hope our our commenter, I hope that you can find some forgiveness if he legitimately apologizes for his actions, says flat out that they were wrong Mm -hmm. and that he's going to grow to be a better human. I hope at some point you can accept that as a true, honest statement from that person. And then one step further, continue to watch their Twitter feed Mm -hmm. and make sure they don't go back on their word. Right? Isn't that what we're hoping for is growth? I think James Gunn would cut off his right hand right now before he'd get back on Twitter. I I think this is a guy who I have opinions. And, you know, the interesting thing is I keep them to myself now. Rather than end on this note, I'd, I'd like to circle back to uh, something else happier that happened while Aaron and I were away, and that's in Hong Kong Disneyland, the Ant-Man and the Wasp Bride, which is subtitled Nano Battle, opened on March 31st. And this is kind of Disney doing what it does these days, taking a pre-existing attraction, which in this case for Hong Kong was their Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, or laser blast attack. I forget what they were using for the name in Hong Kong. But they gutted the building. They kept the ride track in place. And it's an interactive shooter attraction. The storyline supposedly has something to deal with Armin Zola. He's trying to steal the arc reactor, which is, in Hong Kong Disney terms, it's it's on top of the Stark Tower in Kowloon, Hong Kong. The Iron Man Experience attraction is just across away from from this thing and it opened January 11th of 2017 so Iron Man because he needs help he turns to Ant-Man of the Wasp and so again we've got this mini Avengers feel already going on ask for their help and and because there's only the two of them you as a guest in the park are recruited to also go in and you know, attack all of these nanobots. That sounds like a, a bit of fun that I don't know if they had really intended this mm. or maybe if they're going to expand on mm. this, but if they're building an Iron Man attraction and then they say uh, somewhere at the end, hey, we're going to be building Ant-Man right next door. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the ride, Iron Man says, oh my goodness, we've almost saved the day. Now if only we could get you to you know, go fetch Ant-Man for me. And then you quick get out of the ride, scurry over to the Ant-Man ride, ride that. Mm-hmm. And then ha- at the end of that, Ant-Man says, oh, if only we had, had Cap. His ride is right next door, by the way. <laughs> it kind of leads you through the park and, and it connects all the stories into one adventure. It's so scary that you're saying that because they've released a couple of pieces of concept art where... In fact, the clips we've seen so far from Endgame all seem to be at the Avengers headquarters that Stark built upstate in New York. And they're going to be just beyond uh, the railroad tracks outside of the berm at Hong Kong Disneyland and Tomorrowland. They're building basically the Avengers headquarters for Hong Kong. And you're there in the park, supposedly, on their open house day. Mm. And you wander in, and Cap will be wandering through, Black Widow will be wandering through, and of course, because it's the Avengers, somebody's going to show up, and you're going to get caught in the middle. So, um, If, bless them, Walt Disney were alive today, 
What do you think he would make of Stark Tower as the home of tomorrow? Do you think, I mean, he would be taking everything from Marvel's ideas straight to the design room floor and making the interactive home like Stark has in the movies, don't you think? Walt was kind of a pack rat. So many of the ride systems that turned up in the parks were because he'd go to places like Ford and watch their assembly line and, you know, how they move giant containers of molten hot iron or lead. And that's actually that same system that moved the stuff in factories was pretty much the system that powered the people mover and the Ford attraction at the New York World's Fair. So I think Walt would have taken ideas from anywhere. And even before there was a Marvel deal, Disney was looking for ways to bring the Marvel characters into the parks. There's this amazing piece of concept art that was done for Epcot's Journey into Imagination ride. And there's a, a moment in the attraction where you go into this room with oversized books and, you know, the whole idea is that, you know, these are the things that fuel your imagination. But the original concept art for this, and this is, I, I love the Imagineer, whoever drew this, but it's not just book books. It's one of these things is a comic book. And the comic book that, that's spread open is a Spider-Man comic book. And a 3D version of Spider-Man is climbing out of the giant comic book in the Imagination Pavilion. And again, I've seen the concept art and I just, I, I keep trying to find the Imagineer who drew it. And I want to hear the story about how close they got. Did they reach out to Marvel? Because it would have been cool if Epcot, when it opened in 82, well, Imagination didn't open until the spring of 83, but it would have been cool to be rolling through that future world attraction and suddenly there's Spidey. Yeah, I think Walt would have just, if someone were to be able to go back in time and just show him Iron Man's house and how it, he interacts with it, he'd be like, now this guy gets it. That's the house of tomorrow. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I could definitely get behind that. And, and doubled back, by the way, on, on Captain Marvel this past week and so enjoyed that opening with, you know, the pay tribute to Stan. And mm -hmm. I, I think it was such a sweet tribute to him, but he really does come across in that space as Marvel's Walt. So, yeah. you know, just haven't seen Captain Marvel, folks, get out there and see it. I mean, you know, they're already past a billion, you know, that's, you know, they'd appreciate your dough if you pass it along. So one more nugget of news before we wrap sure. up that since we were talking about what if, oh God, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. What if Walt Disney saw the home of tomorrow through Stark? Uh, what if, is a series of comics that Marvel used to do back in the day that were just wonderful. One of them is what if Jane was Thor mm. instead of Thor being Thor and what if uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And so uh, it turns out in other news, Marvel Studios is making an animated what if series for Disney Plus. And I'm very, very excited about that because uh, since I was talking in previous shows about wanting something fresh, something new, something crazy. I'm all for tangents in the Marvel Universe. Things that don't have to be connected to anything. They're just told for the sake of it's a good story, it's fun. It doesn't have to be, you know, realistic or tied to anything or, or whatever. And I also think that if they're doing these as 
single issues, so to speak. For every episode that comes out is a different tale of what if. I also think it would be utterly fantastic if they altered the animation style with every episode. Ooh, okay. I mean, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had all of those many different art styles. You could totally do that with What If, right? They can try anything they want, style-wise, sound-wise, story-wise. It's just wide open. So I'm very, very excited for just the possibilities that are now available with What If through Disney Plus when that becomes available. You know, it's so interesting that you bring up Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because my treat for myself this past Christmas was I ordered myself a copy of the Art of Book. and But the thing is, the film was so popular that Amazon sold out. And I had to keep nudging them. And they're like, I'm sorry, we're waiting for the publisher. And it, it took forever. But today, just today, the book showed up. And so, in fact, as soon as Aaron and I finish recording, I'm ripping off the plastic and going page to page in this sucker. Uh, you should also uh, throw the soundtrack on the list because I downloaded that mm -hmm. and fell in madly in love with the original score mm -hmm. soundtrack. And boy, I, we, I could fill an entire hour of a show just on that. It's fantastically good. Okay, well, well we, maybe we'll do that again on a future show. And Speaking of future shows, this isn't the only podcast we do here on the, the Jim Hill Podcast Network. We have Disney Dish with Len Testa. We have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We have the Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We also have I Want That with Michelle Valladolid, who, who by the way, Ardoni is actually female. I, I can swear to that. And, of course, we have uh, Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z and... Dan, this week, is going to be out at Star Wars Celebration, so he's going to come back with some really great stories to share. And speaking of, of Disney+, Plus, they're doing the big online Investors Day event uh, later this week, which means when Aaron and I get back, uh, we're going to have info to share from that, which we'll talk about how Marvel you know, shows up on Disney+. Plus. So please tune in for those shows. And if you like what we do here, head over to iTunes and rate and recommend our show. Likewise, if you really, really like what we do here, you can subscribe to Bandcamp, which helps support what we do. On behalf of Aaron Adams, thank you for listening, folks, and have a good night. More Marvelous Disney will be coming soon. In the meantime, check out one of the other great shows found only on the Jim Hill Media Network.